Welcome to the Art of Conversation. I am J.A. LaRock. This podcast is brought to you by Obsolete Gamer and powered by the Mascot Studio Podcast Network. You can find this podcast on Himalaya, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Today we begin our retro gaming series. And I couldn't think of anyone better to lead off that series than Walter Day. For those of you who are not into the retro gaming scene, Walter Day is the founder of Twin Galaxies. Originally, Twin Galaxies was an organization where people from all over the world could send in their video game world records and accomplishments. And from there, grew into an organization to profile gamers, esports, and just the culture of retro and classic gaming. Now within that, Walter Day created the Walter Day Collection, which is a trading card series that features and honors gamers and people within media and all the influencers that help promote retro gaming. Now, I have always been a fan of trading cards. I used to collect the trading cards for football, basketball, baseball, even hockey. So the idea of this was fascinating to me. And of course, I want to start at the beginning with how the Walter Day Collection was created. I have about almost 15 different series that I do from Civil War news to the American Revolution, but the video game one is the biggest. And we've now reached card 3,530. And the reason there are so many cards is because there's so many stories to tell. Because the cards do the same work that you guys do. They go out and they find the story. And using that little cardboard square, they try and do their best job of telling the story of someone's contributions to the global video game and esports culture. So uh, you do your oral history to find hidden stories, forgotten stories, stories that would have been missed. And I use the trading cards to find forgotten stories or stories that are hidden or stories that would be missed. So that's why there's 3,530 cards. But the biggest thing in the State of the Union is to tell everybody But boy, we have just started. There are so many more thousands of stories to be told. And I want to bring out some of the ideas for some of the stories in the course of our talk now so that people who are listening will know that, hey, I know someone who deserves to be on a card. Or maybe they'll even think, hey, I deserve to be on a card. And they should come to me because it doesn't cost anything to be on a card. Later on, if you want to get a bunch of the cards, you'll have to pay the printer because I have no money. Because at the age of almost 72, uh, I'm a sort of a retiree, and uh, it's just too expensive for me to I, – I just don't have the money to do any of that. But but as, as far as the labor of love, I continue to make the cards and continue to honor the people and continue to recognize the amazing contributions that so many people have made to the global video game culture, the global, the global esports culture. Now, for instance – when you and Ignacio first contacted me, you sort of you were surprised that hey, we deserve to be on trading cards, and as many of the people out there listening know, you folks have been put on trading cards, and you're they, they should be asking you for your trading cards. To, uh, you should be autographing those trading cards for the people. <laughs> but anyway, you were a little bit surprised and very pleased when you learned that you qualified. You were a, a very reliable candidate. For appearing on a trading card and then you are now you are on a trading card definitely so people out there 
here's so here's some categories of people who should be honored on trading cards as we move forward and do our next 3,500 cards. People who are podcasters. People who are podcasters are, as I've already said, oral historians. They are people who want to go out there and find hidden stories, forgotten stories, stories that would have otherwise have been missed and turn them into podcasts. So people who do that should be honored for their efforts and honored for their their brilliance. And so so podcasters can be on trading cards. People who organize events, like if you have a retro gaming event or if you have an esports contest or something, if you're doing a sort of an event uh, from a Comic Con to uh, to a video game championship to uh, anything, any kind of event, any kind of event that makes the culture relevant and turbocharges the culture so that it uh, it just brings it to life because events bring the culture to life and and make it a uh, a social phenomena which is very important that's another category people who do things that help develop uh, the society of gaming, the gaming culture, because the gaming culture, more than anything, has grown out, grown into being a society. And people who do things like maybe certain kinds of websites or Facebook pages or certain kind of things that exist there so as to serve the culture of our times to facilitate the, the social interactions between gamers and, and competitors and so forth and so on. So those are very that's a very important category, too. People who do certain kinds of Facebook pages or websites and stuff that accommodate the culture of our times and make it a better, funner, and, and richer place with which, within which to operate. People who win contests. If you win a contest or if you're a highly ranked person in your particular area of competition, then you deserve to be on a trading card. If you're an artist that illustrates posters for the gaming, the gaming world, or an artist who illustrates things that serve the society and the cult culture again, you deserve to be on a video game trading card. If you're a person who goes to a retro event and you bring a truckload of games and denote, donate them and contribute them to the, to the activities of the weekend, people who contribute to big events, not just the ones who organize them, as I already said, the ones who organize them get on, get on cards, but people who contribute to big events, they should be recognized for their incredible accomplishments. Another category that's kind of interesting is I like to do a card for each game. I've done it for dozens and dozens and dozens of games. But you can get on a trading card if you have a rare game, and I haven't yet done a card for that game because you will be the one posing with the game. So it becomes the game card and a you card. Okay. Oh, nice. It'll be about you and a big game. So, so if anybody out there has like a rare game, like if you have Atari's Off the Wall from 1990 or whatever year it was, you get a photograph of yourself posing with the game, and then you would be on the card. So that the card would also be you as well as the game. So you kind of like so you're essentially it's a piggyback card essentially. So I love to do piggyback cards. I love to do group cards. If you have a certain group that does something that serves the global video game culture and esports culture, I want a photograph of that group to put on a card. For instance, there's cards out there that say the gamers of Denmark. There's one that says the gamers of Germany. And it's a crowd of all sorts of gamers 
from across the wide spectrum of, of gaming interests, but all they got together in a group. And on the back, it has their names and lists them and everything. So there's one final for the gamers of Poland, the gamers of Germany, the gamers of Denmark, the gamers of England, the gamers of Australia, uh, the gamers of France. It goes on and on. So, and But there's been also variations on the gamers of Kentucky, the gamers of Louisville, the gamers of uh, uh, Fort Madison. So if you have uh, a group that has a cultural and a functional identity, you would deserve to be on a trading card and be honored for your collective contribution that you as a group are making to the society. I was reading, of course, at the beginnings, and, and that's where I'm always curious about, like, how that inspiration came. And I know that I read about, of course, that iconic 1983 Life magazine where they published all the uh, the video game champions was – and it says that that was kind of like the, you know, jumping off the inspiration point for the cards. How did it go from that to actually creating the cards itself? Okay, so – Everybody should be aware that there's a website for this. There's an actual website that has a gallery that has almost 2,000 of the cards already. You can visually see them. See, I've now designed approximately 5,000 trading cards. And as of this week, we officially have passed the 3,000 card mark for cards that are actually physically printed and, and you can hold in your hands. Over 3,000. It'll be about 30. It'll be about 3,150 as the, as the mark will be reaching this week. Cards, 448 new cards are being printed right now as we speak and being cut at the printer and will be in my hands tomorrow. And that'll bring us up to about 3,150 cards that are in print. And a lot of these cards are on an online gallery. So this website is called thewalterdaycollection.com. That's T-H-E, the Walter Day, W-A-L-T-E-R-D-A-Y, collection, you know how to spell that, dot com, the Walter Day collection dot com. And it's easy to find if you just go tumble, tumble around Google, you know, just ask for Walter Day trading cards or Walter Day cards and you'll find it. So on that website, on the about page, it tells the whole story of how the card, the, the sequence of events that led to the creation of the card set. But I'll just I'll just kind of like go over it real fast so that we'll have a sense of uh, of the story being told here during the interview. Yes, the Life magazine photograph was photographed on November 7th, 1982, in Ottawa, Iowa, which is considered the birthplace of organized video game playing. And people should go there, by the way. If you're going on a road trip, you should detour to Ottawa, Iowa. Because there's a big bronze plaque that weighs 220 pounds that's posted there on the outside of a building where the Twin Galaxies Arcade used to be. In that bronze plaque, the big headline says, the historic birthplace of organized competitive esports. You have to go and get photographed in front of that bronze plaque. Because if you do that, I will take that photograph and put it on a trading card. So far, I've only had to come through about four times. Other people do, do do go there and get photographed, but they never bother to send me the photograph. But if you guys go as a group and say, hey, let's go pose in front of the bronze plaque in Ottumwa, Iowa, uh, and send me the photograph, it's going to be on a trading card. Okay? And so people from far off places have now, I, I think I've done five. It's either four or five cards so far. 
living up to that promise. So that's a promise, and I will live up to it. So be aware of that, that if you detour off the Highway 80 or off Highway 35 or Highway 34 and go to a Tumwin pose with a picture in front of the bronze plaque, that I will put that picture in your story on the back of that training card. Okay, so anyway, the story's on the website. But essentially, when the Life Magazine's article came out and it had the big picture of the group posing in the street in front of their video games, it had these little, little box pictures, too with the kids sitting right in front of the games that they had conquered. And everybody, including me, immediately said, my God, they look like baseball cards. So yeah. the seed was planted. And I tried to do something about it that summer, June of 83. But I came across the, the, the hard reality that printing costs were just insurmountable. It just couldn't be done. The, 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 the volumes that would have to be printed to make the cost go down was just huge, and there was no market for the cards yet, so it couldn't happen. And then in 1985, I tried again, and I worked out the idea for a 110-card set, but again, the printing costs were just insurmountable. So it wasn't till 2008 that I actually had an artist start designing prototypes, and I found Got Print in Burbank, California, that because they could – because they could lump different orders together, they're able to bring everybody's collective aggregate order down in cost. So I was able to start making the cards. But I did them at that time just as some prototypes. The real cards that are that are the birth of this series are from February 5th, 2011. Okay. Uh, February 5th. And before the year was over, I had 138 cards out in circulation. That's year 2011. And so if people will notice that when they see the trading cards, that they're actually lumped together in different years. There's the superstars of 2011, 12, 13, 14, 15. We're in our 10th year now. That's 2020. So that's what it says on the back, superstars of 2020. And I've already done about 15, 20 cards for 2021 that are actually out. So that's how they uh, are differentiating differentiated from each other right by the superstars of 2011 2012 2013 one year 2014 we really bit off more than we could handle and we numbered out and organized and thought out ahead of time 1400 cards wow. but, only, but only about six or seven hundred of them actually got printed so there's about 800 cards in limbo still waiting to be printed from just the year 2014. In the year 2020 that we just concluded, there were 200 cards for that year. And the year before, 2019, there were 300 cards. So it can be different. In the year 2015, I think that was that year that there were 400 cards. So there's still a lot of cards in limbo. That's why I said at the beginning that there are 5,000 cards designed, but now we're only up to 3,150 of them being printed. And every time that we do a big print line run like this, I go back and print and bring to life maybe a few dozen of the forgotten ones that got left behind from earlier years. So, uh, so the trading cards can be found uh, at the Walter Day collection.com and uh so essentially it was 2011 that this thing really took off we're 10 years into it now and to honor those 10 years i'm hoping that someone comes forward from this broadcast and says look i deserve to be on a trading card or 
I know someone who deserves, deserves to be on a trading card, and we will honor you with a trading card that won't cost you anything. And and that's that's what I really like about this um, because it's not only honoring people who have a love for gaming, but I think it's also recording history as well because I mean sure you have the internet you have everyone trying to have their own Twitch channel or YouTube channel or something, but sometimes I think that the real stories about the people and the experiences kind of get lost in all the you know hunting for clicks and downloads. How do you feel that just gaming history, I mean, you being such a big part of it, has been has held up? Do you think that retro gaming history has been well recorded or does it seem like it is kind of fading away? Well, thanks to people like you, it's not fading away. It's being captured a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. Everybody's finding little pieces and bringing those pieces to life and uh, turning the, you know, bring, bringing the stories to life. So, but here's what's interesting to see. And the main word that I have to rely on for what I'm about to say is, well, two words, context and perspective. Let's say, let's say a game comes out this week, okay? And in the old days, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they used to say that it takes $3 million to design and produce a game and it takes three years, and it's only going to be in this marketing cycle for three months, okay? That used to be a rule of thumb. People used to say to me, you know, like 10 to 15 years ago. I don't know if that really holds true today. But considering the fact that part of that's probably true is that when a game is made, it goes out into the marketplace and goes through a lively marketing cycle of maybe about three months. Maybe that Maybe that time has changed. Maybe it's two months. Maybe it's four months now, six months, whatever. But most games go into some sort of cycle. And let's say, for instance, it is three months, and that's the correct number. During that time, the people who – there's this big herd of monkeys that are jumping from tree to tree to tree, all traveling together. And that's what the market is. The market is tens of millions of mostly younger people who all latch on to a game and they lift the game up into be into bestseller status and they make it a big deal and they compete on it and they play it and they get excited about it and they talk about it and they do websites about it and they do contests, they do all sorts of things. But then after about three months, let's say, they move on to the next game, just like that herd of monkeys jumping to the next tree for the bananas that are there. So, so, so then the number of people who are actively playing that game, game X, we'll call it, that number becomes less and 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 less until eventually, after six months or nine months or a year, there's only the diehards who still play the game because the game because they particularly because they really clicked, it clicked, they synced up with it and they really clicked and it's what they want to play and it's their game. This is actually a very interesting perspective, I think. Uh, you'll like this, GIA. So essentially, uh, uh, so they, so, but they do play other games, but they still love this game X, and they'll go back to it again and again and again and again. After a while, let's say after two or three years, younger people, newer people, or, or just other people are going to be talking to this guy, and he's going to confess that he plays game X more than anything. And they're all going to look at him and say, oh, you're retro. And he's going to say, what? I'm not retro. 
this is a brand new game. He, but what Mr. X had done is he had lost pers- he had lost perspective of the fact that time has passed by, and he still loves that game and still plays that old game. But they're looking at him saying, "Oh, you retro? Look, that's old. That's old school now." At some point, here's the point of it. At some point, every game drifts out of the marketing cycle, and a step at a time, step at a time, becomes more and more a thing of the past. Until the until the modern generation will suddenly say, "Oh, you're retro," and the guy will be maybe taken by surprise because it'll sneak up on him. They realize that he's a retro gamer. So the ultimate point is that eventually every single game is going to be old school because the the pushing forward movement of the mark of the dy- the dynamics of the market and just the cultural landscape is pushing into the future adopting and embracing newer and newer and newer games will the games that fall off the back become part of the elephant's graveyard of forgotten retro games and the only people who are still playing those games from the past are the people who were particularly devoted who just somehow matched up with that game synced with that game and they continued to play that game so it's a historical process that's been going on and it applies to everything <clears throat> So of any event, like if you go to an event or something, after so many years, it's going to be remembered as a classic event from the past. So that's what's happening. It's all perspective. It's in the context. Is is it's in this context that I evaluate things, and I see that tons and tons of stuff that's happening right now <clears throat> will deserve to be honored on a trading card. The stuff happening right now. That's why I do trading cards for brand new events because I want the trading card <clears throat> to be a historical snapshot that captures for future generations what these people did how this thing went down the historical con- the historical you know context of it and whatever important it's whatever importance it has for that moment <clears throat> so when you look at it from that perspective that's why every single category of person who deserves to be on a card that I've mentioned here in this broadcast is deserving to be on a card because from the perspective of future generations these people were part of history and they were doing historical things isn't that and, something and, yeah definitely and, and and what I've just noticed is that and what you explained a lot of the people who end up calling something retro they're really talking about how they as a fan has identified it as something that is playable and worth remembering like a part of history because you know with so many games coming out there are people that will definitely rush to a newest game like let's say a call of duty but for some of those games especially if they come out every year like a madden as soon as the new year comes out they move away and they they don't want to play it anymore so sure those games may become old and may be technically listed as retro but not many people are playing it but old games like joe montana sports talk football people will still play that and go hunt and try and find it because they like that game even though the technology could be 20 30 years old and i think that that is such an important distinction because it's something that you're really hunting for something that you care about 
you know, kind of like watching iconic sports events from, you know, the 70s and 60s and on. And maybe you're not going to watch every event, but there's some events that really stand out. And I've also just noticed that the community itself, yes, every community has its trouble or its toxic people. But I found that a lot of the retro people just seem to have a stronger knit community because I guess maybe we understand a little bit more about the game than just on the surface level. Have you found that as well, just in your interaction with so many gamers who love retro gaming? Well, first of all, toxicity is everywhere. It seems to be the fiber of the times. But also there's close-knit communities everywhere, too. So it's all give and take. It's a... um, it's it's amazing. It's it's an amazing time, but uh, it's a good time too because there's progress being made, and the culture has turned into the actually the gaming culture may be the biggest culture in the world. I've never really thought that out too closely, but uh, I think that it could be the biggest culture in the world. And retro old school is actually very 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 big. It's not a small thing that's being. Uh, put it, made, made to go stand in the corner. It's something that's very, very big. Again, I just want to say thank you so much for you know taking the time and talk with us, and also just for putting this collection together. Because I know that maybe you know for someone who is uh, a kid and and don't remember like baseball cards or 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 thing collecting things like that, maybe it seems like an abstract concept. But to people like us who are a little bit older the idea of having a trading card even with all the digital media is something awesome and i can definitely tell you that i was honored and i know ignacio was honored to to be on uh in your collection well thank you very much and thank you for your friendship and thank you for all that you do for the rest of us so i hope i hope the people who are out there listening to this are very very appreciative and very very respectful of all that you and ignacio do because this is a wonderful gift to the community that you're giving them. Both Ignacio and I were honored to be part of the Walter Day collection. Even in this day and age of social media where everyone promotes themselves, there is still a warm feeling that one gets when they're honored for their work, especially within the retro gaming community. Because it wasn't too long ago that retro gaming was kind of at the bottom of video gaming. It was only recently with game collecting and speedruns and other retro gamings creating communities on places like Twitch, that retro gaming has regained its premier status. People like Walter Day and Twin Galaxies are historians and promoters of retro gaming and will make sure that the community stays strong now and forever. I'm Jay LaRock and thank you for listening to the Art of Conversation.